Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, uh, October the 3rd, 2023. New month, old theme, old friend, my old friend, uh, Beth Ann Patrick, uh, book critic of the LA Times. Uh, we can't keep on meeting like this, Beth Ann. It's, uh... it, it's wonderful because we get to talk about my favorite thing, Andrew, books, and I never get tired of that. So. And Tuesday is your day because it's new book day. And I know you've got a, an interesting theme this week, first generation stories, biographies, confessions, perhaps, led off by one of America's great writers, Viet Van yes. Nguyen. I don't know if I pronounced it right. He's a Grove <laughs> writer. I met him many years ago, actually, at a Grove dinner uh, when he was completely unknown. Of course, I didn't take him very seriously. Now he wouldn't give me the time of day. Uh, quite a remarkable cool. story, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Viet Thanh Nguyen is a really important voice in American literature now in different genres. He's a novelist and a memoirist, and he speaks to the Vietnamese experience and the Vietnamese American experience. He did grow up in the U.S. He grew up in California. His parents ran a grocery store. They were subject to some neighborhood violence. It was really intense um, where he lived. And now he has put together a memoir called A Man with Two Faces. And clearly part of that means that he is both Vietnamese and American, that he has a foot in each culture. But it's also about being a son and then becoming a father of a son. It's about the experience and how it changes our relationship with our memories of our parents. And I just want to say this book has an unusual structure because Nguyen is such a brilliant writer, brilliant um, stylist, experimentalist, that he puts together essays he's written, lectures he's given, bits of poetic language that he's written, and it all flows beautifully, but it is not a narrative that is A, B, C, D, all the way to X, Y, Z. It is something that is quite different. And I think readers will really respond to it because he's talking about something that's very fluid. And he's also talking about our national cultural looks at Vietnam. And he doesn't shirk that. He goes to the movies. He talks about all of the different depictions we've had in movies about what we call the Vietnam War. And he shows... He's a very political writer, Beth Anderson. Very political, yes. Is yes. this one more book about how rotten America has become? Uh, no, it is not a book about how rotten America has become. It is a book about how he, as an American, has had to cope with some of the things that make it difficult to have um, some rottenness in our past and issues that we need to discover. But it's also about continuing to be a citizen, especially now that he has his own family and his own children. Uh, so it, no, it is, it, he's very political, but this is a book I think that has some real balance to it, hence the man with two faces. You got some heavy hitters uh, in today's show. Um, one who was on the show many years ago, actually, uh, Gary Steingart, another of America's most distinguished writers. 
Um, very different kind of writer, I think, from the first one from the Vietnamese writer we talked about. What's he up to? What book does he have and how does that fit into? Does he have a new generation? book? That's right. He does have a new book. But I wanted to point out his amazing memoir, Little Failure, uh, which came out before Our Country Friends. I love that novel, by the way. That is the pandemic novel, Our Country Friends. But uh, I do want to say that Little Failure, failure Gary's memoir was about coming to America from where he grew up. He grew up in a city that's called Leningrad. He was Igor Steingart, and his parents were very disappointed in him from an early age. So this memoir is funny, but also extremely vulnerable. Um, and in fact, in it, there is some of Gary's most brilliant writing. There is a, a long chapter about how when they came over as Jews from Russia, his parents decided, oh, well, now we have to have him circumcised. And he was older. It was botched. Um, he's written about that. He had an excerpt from Little Failure in The New Yorker about this terrible experience. And um, his parents were always sending barbs at him. And in a Russian... These are called shutki. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But his parents were just always saying, oh, you're nothing. You know, I should have been an artist. His father said to him, oh, no one will ever remember your novels. And in Little Failure, Steingart brings another first generation story to the fore. And um, no pun intended on foreskin. Sorry, Gary. Um, but he really shows what it's like to be a child whose parents are negotiating their new life while you're negotiating your new life and you're the first one who's going to grow up in the United States. Yeah, and so the little failure and the Jewish and all the rest of it, I mean, it, it does, it sounds pretty standard. I mean, m most Jewish kids get bullied by their parents. And like <laughs> I don't know. That is a generalization, Andrew. <laughs> Well, as a Jew, I can I can make those generalizations. Okay, okay, I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, but uh, I mean, is this? I mean, in his hands, of course, it's brilliant. And in a way, I mean, I would be disappointed if Gary Steingart hadn't had bullying, unpleasant parents. That that is true, um, and it is uh, a, as I said, a different aspect of the immigrant experience from Vietnamese. But it, uh, you know, it is also one that Steingart makes extremely funny. He is quite a different writer. He has quite different gifts, and uh, Little Failure, I think, is a delight. Is this the sort of low hanging fruit for Steingart to write about this? It sounds. Is there surprising stuff in here from Gary? As I said, I think there is because Gary isn't just a jokester or a trickster in this book. He writes about some really important stuff in terms of what's happened to him all the way through. Um, the piece in The New Yorker, again, I don't know if it was an excerpt or if it's something he wrote later, is about the lifelong problems he's had from that botched circumcision. And so in Little Failure, you really get a sense of Steingart as a writer who can be open and honest and not just crack jokes all the time. So well, it's hard not to snigger at botched circumcisions. It's, you know, it's hard, but if I mean, you especially other it, people's, right? I know. I, but if you read this book, I'm telling you, you will, um, you will understand that. Yeah. Not, has... not before tea, I think. Um, 
not not before um, dinner. Uh, so uh, one person we've had on the show, actually, Gary was on many years ago. Uh, Nick, Nicole Chung was on quite recently, and, and I, very, very powerful, popular writer. Yes. A, a living re a remedy. How does she fit into the narrative of, of first generation? So, um, the one that I'm talking about with Nicole is actually not her newer book, A Living Remedy, which is tremendous. It is her All first you can ever know, right? Yes, All You Can Ever Know. And that comes from the time when she asked her white American adoptive mother about her Korean birth parents. And her mother said, they wanted you to come to the United States and they wanted you to have a better life. And that may be all you can ever know. And Nicole took that as truth for a long time. But finally, in young adulthood, she decided to find out more about her Korean family and also to investigate her experience, to ask questions. This is a beautiful, beautiful book um, that addresses the grief that adoptees feel. And it could be for adoptees who are not first-generation Americans, but in particular, Chung is also talking about that experience. It's very raw. It's very brave. Um, she's an exceptional writer and she goes into places that might other writers might be scared to in investigate and interrogate. She says, the truth was that being Korean and being adopted were things I had loved and hated in equal measure. And she doesn't know what upsets her more sometimes, the adoption or actually being different. And so that's it's a book about that. And she is going to knock everyone's socks off. I say that all the time. Um, it's one of my crutches, I guess. But in the case of Nicole Chung, it's quite true. She has a long career ahead of her and it's just getting better all the time. Yeah, it's interesting, um, uh, Bethann. Yesterday we had Leon uh, Weaseltier, the editor mm -hmm. of uh, Liberties. He has an interesting new essay in the latest version of Liberties, about America as a teleological nation, as a, mm -hmm. as a country rooted in the idea of change. Yes. Uh, in that narrative. Um, it's particularly hard, I'm guessing, for somebody like N Nicole Chung as the child of an adopted, uh, an adopted child who doesn't know the beginning of the history. It makes one in an odd way un-American on the one hand, and yet on the other hand, so much full of potential. So it, it's both... In, 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 intensely American and intensely un-American at the same time. Well, and this is something I really want to highlight because there was recently a story uh, about um, U.S. As college students. Um, the majority now, more than half of all U.S. college students are first-generation Americans. And more than half of that more than half are women. So there is so much potential. There is so much that these young women are going to bring to our country. So many talents, so many ideas, so many experiences. And so I agree that this is something really important for Nicole Chung's fellow adopted um, uh, first-generation Americans uh, to look at. You know, do I want to find out more? Do I want to look into the past? What will I find when I get there? How will this affect me? And that's one of the things she does a really terrific job 
on in this book. And A Living Remedy, just to tout that, is about how her adoptive father becomes ill. This, and, is, uh, this was the one after, which is the one uh, right, A Living Re right, Remedy, which she and, came on the show to talk about. Yeah, and it came out this year. Uh, and she, it, it's, it's even better than all you can ever know. And that's not, and that that's a pretty powerful thing to say. Yeah, I mean, I know with someone who had a successful first book, second books are particularly hard if you've had a that's successful right. third book. Some things, of course, are unavoidable, uh, being a black man in America. Um, and, uh, sorry, Oops. we need to <laughs> no, now we're uh, Hold on one second. Um, a particular kind of, black man um yes whoops let me look for it yeah here we are there we go kind of black man by a writer called and i and i hope i'm pronouncing him right tope for and tell me about this yes and how he's thinking about being first generation i guess black in america which of course is full of complexity and irony and problems it does. And look at that incredibly powerful photo uh, Tope Falaran has on his website of himself standing in front of the National Museum of the Africa of African American history. It's just gorgeous. And Tope's family is uh, from Nigeria. And in this novel, which is really a Bildungsroman built on his own experience, he digs deep into what immigrant parents ask of their children and also of what happens to an immigrant family structure. Sometimes, you know, you come to America, that doesn't mean everything is unicorns and glitter. Um, this novel's protagonist, Tunde Akinola. Well, you should be suspicious if everything is unicorns. Uh, that is, you, you really should. You should get your eyes checked. <laughs> if, if not, you know, see a psychiatrist. But no, uh, Tunde Akinola uh, comes to the United States with his parents and his brother, and they wind up in Utah. So it's uh, Black immigrants in the Mormon um world or the Mormon universe, if you will. And it deals with assimilation and family structure and coming of age, but it also deals with mental illness because the character's mother suffers from schizophrenia and immigrating, you know, coming to America worsens things for her. It's very, very difficult. And she eventually goes back to Africa and leaves um, Tunde's father to raise his sons. And he wants to raise them to be a particular kind of black man, the kind of black man who is able to be an equal to any white man, but also has taken on enough of the characteristics of the new country that they are sort of unassailable. And of course, that brings up its own problems. Could we call this the Obama syndrome? I, I don't know if that's fair, um, but I will say that this is set during the Obama presidency. And, you know, Falaran has talked about how we're all walking around. We're each a braided story. And certainly one of the things uh, about Obama, both Obamas, that kind of leads into a particular kind of black man is that um, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are both storytellers and they're both gifted writers who have said, okay, 
We're yeah, I mean, my, my point about Obama was that he was also I know. <laughs> uh, a man who he was, you know, his family was from Africa as opposed right. to, I mean, it's his one father. of the issues, obviously, in a country obsessed one way or the other with race, so many assumptions are made about black Americans, assuming they were slaves or they go back to the South. That's right. and many don't and haven't. That is I think a very important part of this book is that you can be black in America, but not be an African American day. And it's a different kind of experience. It's a different kind of story. It's a particular kind of story. And Falaran has definitely brought it out in this novel. He's another one to watch. I cannot wait to see what his next book will be like because he has a, a great deal to say. This book was noted and notable and, you know, prize winning. And, you know, people are really seeing the power of his particular approach. Well, that's one kind of, uh, shall we say, immigrant story, an American right. story. Another is Jessica Lander, who indeed writes a book called Making American yeah. Stories of Historic Struggles, New Ideas and Inspiration in Immigrant Education. This is a nonfiction book. By it Jessica. is. And I wanted to show some um, nonfiction writing, not just the memoir, but also the actual journalism and um, narrative nonfiction going on around first generation immigrants and how we should be um, communicating with them, teaching them, raising them, educating them. And in Making Americans, Lander shows that we are doing new kinds of things to educate uh, new Americans. Uh, most of her book is, I would say, fairly positive. And that is kind of great because there are new curricula, new kinds of schools, new kinds of programs being opened up. Everything for from, you know, a school that's just for immigrant girls in Georgia, for example, or a school that takes just a certain number of kids um, and tries something completely different in the ways that they communicate with them. But what she's doing is showing that these dreamers, as some of us call them, have are they're making achievements, and those achievements are crucial crucial to our nation. And um, we could go back and name so many immigrants who have contributed to our nation in every way: scientific, cultural, political, on and on. That would be a very long list of people. And sometimes we forget how many Americans, we think of them as belonging to us, countries, and they found their way. And sometimes that's really difficult. And we can do things, Lander says, to make things less difficult. We can yeah, do I, things. I, I'm intrigued by this book. I might try and get yeah. her on. I think show. you should. I think you should. Tell me about this book. Uh, I like the, the title, A Tiny Upward Shove by M Melissa Chadbury. Uh, Chad Dr. Melissa, yes. um, not Chad Burn. Chad Burn. Uh, what yes. is this book about? So I actually reviewed this book for the LA Times, and I will say I, that I have a bias because I truly loved it. So this is a really dark book. It's 
You love dark books. I know you. Don't you? Yes, I do. I do. Um, this book, a but... light person loves such dark books. Although you're not, you're not, <laughs> Thank you. you're not really that light, are you? As your love. No, book. no. I'm really, really. You know, I'm very cheerful, but deep down, I'm just, I guess, you know, someone who loves to explore dark places, tough places, and uh, this book definitely hits that spot because. Chad Byrne uh, is actually, she's an ad, uh, an activist, she's a journalist, she's a labor um, organizer, very, very smart woman. And she bases this around an historical murder in California, um, very sad, a man named Willie Picton, who was raised on a pig farm by a horribly abusive parent. People thought he'd killed about six women. And then when they finally caught him and dug up the farm, they found dozens of bodies. So one, uh, you know immediately that one of the protagonists in this book is dead. That's from page one. That's not a spoiler. And that is a young woman named Marina. And Marina, while in a teenage foster care situation or a, a school, a rehabilitative school, falls in love with another young woman named Alex. And their love is the driver behind this story. And there is a supernatural element. There is a Filipino ghost or witch or supernatural creature called an Aswang who figures into Marina's energy and Marina's powers and helps Marina ultimately give Alex that tiny upward shove. And what it's about is not just the immigrant experience, not just being a first generation Filipina, but also how do we get each other out of despair out of places where we have financial dep deprivation, where we're underserved. It's a truly powerful book and it's so horrifying. But as Aaron Summers, my colleague said in the New York Times book review, the book is rescued by a joy evident in the writing, something ablaze at its core. It burns. And that is the truth. So this is a dark book, Andrew, with a blaze of joy and hope at its very center. And it, it's amazingly powerful. If someone is able to read it without being too triggered by the things that happen, it is a book that can teach you a great deal about the human capacity for hope. Well, that has a Filipino uh, focus. What about the, the best we could do by T. Bu, another uh, interesting writer, young writer uh, that also has a somewhat of a, an, an Asian focus. Is that right? It does. Also Vietnamese, like um, Nguyen's book. And T. Bui is uh, actually a graphic memoirist, a graphic writer. And I wanted to include a book. Um, uh, you know, we use the term graphic novel. It's, it, it is a graphic memoir. It is not fiction. And it's about how Tibui and her family came over as boat people from Vietnam in the late 1970s. And it really looks at the question of gratitude, immigrant gratitude, because that can sometimes be something that 
immigrants themselves or other Americans can push into like, you should be so grateful to be here. We're so grateful that we're here. No, I and hate that. I know my kids, anytime we tell them that they should be grateful, they spit back at you. If you want to get your kids for parents or watching, if you want, if you want to get your kids to spit at you, tell them that they should be grateful. It's true. That is very true. Same thing with my own kids, you know, born from, quote, uh, you know, American parents. Look, we're all immigrants way back. And all of these books, Andrew, is that we have to remember that, you know, once the immigrants were Italian, German, Irish, um, you know, Polish, you know, more based in the con on the continent of Europe, but now we have immigrants from all kinds of places in Asia, the Middle East, uh, you know, Africa, other countries. It's, uh, you know, something, no one in the United States is without immigrants. Yeah, you take us on, 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 a, on an adventure story this week, uh, Behold the Dreamers by Im Imom Imbalo Mabui. Um, another... <laughs> I'm giving you the adventure in pronunciation. Folk. Tell me about uh, 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 Imbola. Uh, Imbolo Mbwe uh, is how you say her name. Amazing writer who has come out with at least one further book. But I wanted to talk about Behold the Dreamers, which is about an immigrant couple from Cameroon. And they come to New York City. And the reason I want us to look at this book is so that we can remember their six-year-old son. So this happens during the 2008 financial crisis. And it directly affects these two. Jende and Neni are their names. And they are not, let, let me just say, they are not in a terrible situation. Nanny is a nurse or uh, maybe an ultrasound technician, it's hard to remember, and Jende is a chauffeur. They have a good household, they have um, decent, you know, uh, they, they have some privileges. They're still negotiating lots of difference, but they're doing pretty well. What happens is that Jende's employer, Jende, remember, chauffeur, has a lot to do with some very shady business. And this is not something Jende could have known when he took on the job, but the crisis hits and his family is affected. And he and Nanny are thinking about divorce. And I thought all the way through the novel, which is really a great read, it's very, very energetic, dynamic writing. All the way through, I was thinking, what happens to their son? This is the kind of thing you think about. Um, the son is the first generation who will grow up in the United States. So I find um, first generation stories wherever I look, I guess, Andrew, and uh, Behold the Dreamers is one of the most powerful debut novels I've read in the past, you know, 10 years or so. I really recommend this very highly. So much to read. Bethany. I know. I don't know how you know. do it. Final book today, uh, an interesting book. This one intrigued me too. Rising Class by uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Miller. Miller. Uh, how three first-generation college students conquered their first year. This is another non-fiction book. 
It is. And uh, I love that Jennifer Miller was a good, easy name for you to pronounce. And <laughs> I'm kidding. Is, I'm is that your way of saying I need to do a little bit more work on pronunciation? Well, you know, I mean, I should put it in. I should actually you should put it, it in, actually. My pronunciation is disgraceful. No, I will do that. I will do that. So look at us thinking out loud on the air, Andrew. So rising class, Jennifer Miller came to my attention originally when she wrote a novel called The Year of the Gadfly, really delightful book that was not YA. It was written for adults and it was about a high school newspaper reporter, a young, a young high school student who wanted to do more investigative work. Really, really great. So Jennifer Miller puts her money where her mouth is. She wanted to be more of an investigative reporter, and now she's writing things like Rising Class. So it is technically being put, um, pushed for the YA library audience, but it is very much worthy of an adult reading it. And it's about kids who are in Ivy League to community college. They're living through the pandemic and they're negotiating all kinds of difficulties, but it is a fantastic read that really will help you you, the stories will stay with you after you're finished and you'll be thinking about these young people and it may give people some more compassion for the first generation students in their lives. Well, not everyone has Bethann Patrick's remarkable ability to read books and how she does it. A lot of books, eight books, first generation experiences. Bethann, one, one book. If, if people only have time to read one book about this first generation experience. I'm guessing you're going Vietnamese. I'm going to go with Viet Thanh Nguyen um, or T. Bui. One of the oh, Vietnamese. I gave you, I, I let you cheat that. I know. The Vietnamese angle. I know. So there you go. Something for everyone. So just remind us again, you, you do the pronunciation since mine is so awful. So Viet Thanh Nguyen. And A Man of Two Faces in the book is just out today and then the the other one is uh the best we could do by you say it t, -Bui. <laughs> t -Bui.